This title tonight is a little ambiguous. You look at that title, How to Get Away from God, and you can see that in a couple of ways. It reminds me of this old picture. You've seen this before. Um, is that an old How many of you see an old woman? I don't mean in here. I mean in the picture. Uh, okay, so, so how many old, raise your hand up real high. How many, see, how many see the young woman? And usually what happens is those who you, of you who see the young woman can't understand what the other people are what are you all seeing to see an older woman? And those of you who see the older woman are like, I don't get what you people are thinking when you see the younger woman. They're both in there. It's just about how you look at it. You look at it long enough, you'll figure it out. That's a classic one. If you would, back up to the title again, if you would, though. Okay, so how to get away from God. Okay, so first you'd look at that and you'd go, it's impossible, right? Wouldn't you? I mean, Jonah tried, right? We know Jonah. He tried to get away far and fast from God, and it just didn't work because you can't get away from God. He's everywhere. He's everywhere, right? But on the other hand, if you want to evade God's influence, are there ways to do that? Yeah, certainly there are. Some people do this, and for some, it's really, really drastic, right? It's an immediate, I just reject him. I don't want to have anything to do with him. I reject him. For others who turn away from God, it is a, a gradual, subtle thing, right? It's, it's like you just slowly over time evolve your way out, and you just don't pay any attention to God anymore. And so what we're going to look at tonight is kind of like this second one, the idea that you can just kind of keep God at a distance and live your own life without his interference. We're in 1 Kings 22. You've got two kings in here. Ahab is good or bad. Very, very bad. Jehoshaphat is good or bad? He's good. Not very smart, but he's good. Uh, he happens to be Ahab's daughter's father-in-law. Is that what it is? He, no, he's, his son married Ahab's daughter. So whatever that is. Anyway, so he's kind of in the family. He's visiting. In the reading we had tonight, he's visiting with Ahab for some reason. They have an alliance, but their allegiances are different. Ahab's allegiance is to Baal. Jehoshaphat's allegiance is to Yahweh. But they are able somehow to still have an alliance with each other. I know that I, I, I like the allegiance and alliance thing, but anyway, you, you get the idea. And so he's, Jehoshaphat is visiting with his um, son's father-in-law. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, so yeah, he's visiting up there. And what they decide to do is, you know, we know about this treaty that they signed in chapter 20, verse 34, where Syria signed a treaty with Israel, and Israel's supposed to get Ramoth Gilead back. But they haven't turned Ramoth Gilead back over to Israel, and Ahab wants that city. And he says to Jehoshaphat, it's my city, it's part of the truce we signed. Will you go with me as we militarily take it back? And Jehoshaphat, sure, my army is your army, my horse is your horses, your people, my people. We will go, but, and this is what people who are in allegiance to Yahweh do. But before we do, let's get God's word on this. It's just a pause at the beginning to say, let's just make sure, sounds like a good idea to me, seems totally reasonable, but... Let's first of all make sure this is right with God. That's a great posture to have, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing as Christian people. Well, that's what he's doing in chapter 22 as we join together verse 5 or 6, verse 6. 
So the king of Israel, Ahab, gathered the prophets together. What prophets? He's known to have many prophets. You remember how many prophets of Baal he had in Mount Carmel? How many? 450. And they ate at his table. He had a big table. Right? He had a big old table. And the reason is because Jezebel wants to keep them close to her. Jezebel wants to feed them so that they'll be yes men. So everything that she wants, they'll endorse by their God. So they got 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, 850 prophets, and we haven't even got to Yahweh yet. So he's got prophets galore, and you're wondering as you read this, he gathers the prophets together. Which prophets is he gathering? Which one? We don't know. About 400 men, he said to them, shall I go up to battle against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And they said, go up for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. They all in unison, they have this great big party, all 400 of them say, yeah, go. But notice in your version, the word Lord is in small letters. What that means is, a capital L, but small O-R-D, what that means is they use the generic word for God. Is this Yahweh? No, it's not Yahweh, it's just God. We have no idea who they're referring to. Our gods are saying, go ahead and go up there. Oh, okay, so they're giving him, it's an echo chamber. They're They're all just giving him the answer that he wants. But Jehoshaphat said, not so fast. Notice what Jehoshaphat says, but is there not another prophet of the L-O-R-D, all caps, is Yahweh's man not here? Can we please have Yahweh's man? Now these are the days of of Ahab, so who do you think would be the Yahweh prophet at this time? Who would you think he'd call on? Elijah, right? That's the most logical. He is the guy, but you know, he's not, he's not Ahab's man. He's at large. He roams. He's not under the auspices of Ahab's authority. So Ahab does have one, though. I want you to look at this. Jehoshaphat said, is there not another prophet, a prophet of Yahweh, of whom we may inquire? I love Jehoshaphat for this. Hey, not so fast. I'm impressed by, by, these, by these 400 prophets giving you all the same answer, but listen, I think... Um, I think I'd like to have Yahweh's man come. And the king of Israel, Ahab, answered him, said to Jehoshaphat, there is this one guy by whom we may inquire of the L-O-R-D, all caps, Yahweh, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate his guts. I just don't like him. Jehoshaphat, you, say, you shouldn't feel like that. But he says, I hate him. He never prophesies good concerning me, only bad. He never gives me a good word. He's on my staff. I have him around. But you know, when I want to hear something, I bring these other ones up. I don't want, I want to hear what I want to hear. And so I just very rarely call him. He's out in the field somewhere. Who do you consult when you want to know what you should do? Will any voice do? Will you get mad if somebody gives you the right answer and if it's not the answer you want to hear, you say, I'm just not going to ask you anymore. 
Is any advice good enough advice? Do you want to hear just what you want to hear? I love this because we all have advisors. We all gather around us, people, to give us some, some insight that maybe we don't have. Maybe we have some blind spots we don't see. But are there some people that tell the truth so blatantly and they, are always, they just always seem to be sticking with some kind of truth that, that just goes against what you want to do to where you don't even ask them anymore? That's what Ahab has done to Micaiah. Stick him out there. I don't want to talk to him. So after he gathers these 400 prophets, and they sing in unison, and they have this grand occasion, right? And they say, the Lord will give him into the hand of the king. Jehoshaphat feels somewhat suspicious. And so he inquires, and sure enough, sure enough, Ahab is fully aware that there, there is a prophet of God. And so I don't like him, but we're going to call him anyway. And Jehoshaphat said, don't, don't let the king talk that way. The king of Israel summoned an officer and says, bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah, to me. That's funny. Why wasn't he there already? Why, why, if these are all the prophets, why isn't he already there? Why doesn't he want him around? Well, you know why. He just doesn't like him. He doesn't want to know the truth. You can't handle the truth. That's what he is saying. And so I want to keep the truth out there. Micaiah is summoned. So here's the thing. Your reason why he's not there is the first thing that you do. How to get away from God, right? Here's the first way to keep people away from God, right? Just keep God at a distance. Just put him out there somewhere. Keep God's people at a distance. Don't get too close. Don't let them get too close. Leave the church at a distance. Leave Christian friends far away. Gather around some friends from other aspects of your life who will tell you some things more like what you want to hear, more sounds like Dr. Phil or someone else. Keep the, but keep, the real, keep, keep God's word. Hey, listen, don't mess with Scripture. Listen, the reason we struggle with Scripture is we struggle with wanting to know what God says about stuff. And the more that you can keep Scripture away from you, and the more you keep it foreign, and the more you, less you access it, the better off you are. You'll convince yourself you've got a pretty good life because you're keeping God's Word at a distance. Surround yourself with people tell you want to hear, or even lies if you want to. But Jehoshaphat insisted. Ahab agrees. He, he lets him be called. But before he gets there, he sets up this scene of peer pressure. I want you to notice the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones. This is at the city, the, the city gates, arrayed in their robes. They, had their, their, they donned their kingly apparel, and they sat at their thrones. It was a very majestic scene here. It was at the threshing floor, at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, the capital city, right there at the beginning of the city, this grand place. The two kings are sitting there in their royal regalia, right, at the entrance of the city. All the prophets were prophesying. All of them were just out there. It was like a big old rally, y'all. It is like a, a big pep rally, and Zedekiah, the false prophet's there, and he makes these horns, these iron horns, and he drapes his arms over them. It looks like he's a great big bull, right, with these horns. And he says, this is what you're going to do. You're going you're gonna to knock the Syrians over. I mean, this is a little hyper. He's a little ADHD. 
But at pep rallies, you kind of do this. You kind of do this to get everybody riled up and everybody has party atmosphere and the, and the people go nuts, these 400 voices. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, Ahab set this up to just totally overwhelm Jehoshaphat. And the guy they sent to get Micaiah, as he's walking him back to the king, he says, listen, you hear all that? It's like a parade out there. It's like a celebration out there. Listen to all that. Don't you be a killjoy, and don't you put water on this. You just tell them exactly what we told them. And Micaiah looks at it, the greatest words in Scripture, greatest words bar none. What does he say? I can say nothing but what the Lord tells me to say. Verse 14, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, L-O-R-D, all caps, that will I speak. I don't care if the entire world says something different. If the Lord tells me to speak this truth, I will tell it. I pray to God that if the entire world goes nuts, when people come to Valley View, they will hear the word of the Lord. That's what they will hear about everything. And even if it gets you imprisoned, or even if it gets you talked bad about, and eventually it will, we're headed in that direction, we still will only say what the Lord says. But it gets really crazy. So he comes in. Um, verse 13, the messenger who sent to summon Micaiah said all that stuff. Verse 14, he responded. Verse 15, when he had come to the king, the king said to him, now's the moment of truth. Micaiah, the same question he posed to the false prophets. Shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And without pause, go up and triumph. The Lord, Yahweh, will give it into the hand of the king. He doesn't say which king. There's two kings going. He doesn't say which one. But he basically gives the same answers as all the false prophets. That's crazy, isn't it? The king, however, Ahab felt something strange here. Ahab, the whole crowd should have gone nuts. Micaiah agrees with them. First time in history he agrees with all the false prophets. And, and they should be excited, and Ahab should be thrilled to death. But he knows something. Ahab senses something. Was it in the silence of his words? Micaiah wasn't all that emphatic about it? Did he seem tentative or uncertain? Or did his tone convey the idea that this was sarcasm, this paradoxical instruction? Whatever it was, Ahab's eyes narrow and become squinty. Is that a word? Squinty? My spell check did not put anything under it. I'm assuming it's a word. Ahab will not accept this. This is crazy, and I do not know how to explain what he says next. The king, but the king, he should have been elated. He got the word he wanted. But he suspected something. How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? I don't get this. How many times have I told you, Micaiah, I only want you to preach to me the word of the Lord? Why is he mad about this? What is going on here? And I, I have this hunch. 
This is uh, conveyed in a lot of places in Scripture where people who have no intention of honoring the words of God, they still want to know what they are. For some reason, they still want to know it. He wants one person who will at least give him the truth. He's not going to do it. He's not going to live by it. He's not going to honor it, but he wants to be able to know it. Didn't Saul feel this way? Saul wanted to know what God, now he wasn't going to do it. He didn't care. And after a while, God says, well, I ain't telling you anymore. I'm shutting myself up. And, And you got rid of all the mediums, but he finds one, right? He finds a medium that raises up Samuel, no? And Samuel gives him the word of the Lord. For some reason, people want to know the truth, even if they have no intention of actually living it. There's something about knowing it that's just, I'll tell you another case of this. It's the weirdest one in all scripture, in my opinion. Herod hated John the Baptist, put him in prison, but he wouldn't kill him. You know why? It says he liked to hear him. He liked to bring John out and hear him preach. Now, you know that Herod was all against, I mean, John the Baptist was all against Herod. You can't have that woman. That's why he was in jail in the first place, but he didn't want to, he wanted to bring him out. It said he loved to hear him preach. What are you talking about? You hate him. You hate his message. But he wanted to know the truth, even if he didn't plan on doing it. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing, but I think that's what's happening here. Ahab wants to know what the truth is. He just wants to protect him from doing it. And so Micaiah says, you want the whole truth? Micaiah should have said, just like the movie, you can't handle the truth. And he gives him this great answer. He said, Micaiah said, verse 17, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep who have no shepherd. Jesus used this line of Israel under the Pharisees. They were sheep without a shepherd. I saw the Israelites scattered and there was no king. Where was the king? And the Lord said, this is a, this is a Job type moment, Job chapter one and two moment where the, the, the screen of, uh, the, the, the curtain of heaven is opened up and we see a council meeting in heaven. The Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his own home in peace. You know what he's saying? You're going to die. Israel's going to be without a king after this battle. Now, this is an interesting thing. He said, go ahead and go. God's going to give the king victory, but you, you yourself are going to die. That's the fuller. so, So should Ahab go or should he not? What do you think? He already decided he was going to go, but he hears this, and I had, surely it gave him pause, right? And that's when he says, well, see, I told you, Jehoshaphat, I told you that, that he does this. Didn't I tell you they'd not prophesy good but evil? And Micaiah said, okay, here's the rest of this. You need to hear this. This is fascinating. This is the council meeting of God in heaven with his advisors, just like Job 1 and 2. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, Micaiah says. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing beside him on his right and on his left. A lot of like screw tape letters here. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab? I want to entice him. I want to trick him. I want to woo him into battle. Who's going to do that? That he goes and he falls in the battle of Ramoth-Gilead. One said one thing, one suggested another thing, and then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said, how are you going to do that? 
And he said, I will go out, I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, go and entice him, and you will succeed. Go and do what you said. So therefore, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of these prophets of yours. The Lord has declared disaster for you. God tricked you by tricking them into tricking you. I love it. Zedekiah didn't like this, and he reached up and slapped him real good. You're saying I'm a liar. He said, yeah. And so what does he do? Seize Micaiah, verse 26. Take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say to him, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. And Micaiah says, You ain't coming back. Here's the second way that we get away from God is that we do access it. We do access the Word of God and even His people, but then we confine it to a limited role in our lives. We put it over here. He actually got the prophet to speak and God's person to come speak for him, but once he heard it, he confined it, limited its ability to work in his life. He wasn't going to listen to it. Keep God's people at length. James describes it this way. You need to be quick to hear the word of God. You need to, don't, don't argue against it. Don't get angry and fight against the words of God, but let the seed of God, James 1.19, let the seed of God ripen in your life. So many of us will read the word of God. We don't like what it says, and so we set it aside. It's not that we never understood it or heard it or accessed it. It's just that when we did, we then set it aside and tried to ignore it and limit its use in our lives. And every one of us does this. Those verses we don't like. And we let the church be a role in our lives, but not all that much. We go to church and hang around people, but we just kind of nullify, neutralize that its ability. God put us in each other's lives to be a sounding board. And when you're struggling with something or going through something, you're just uncertain about what God's will is. Do you know what our role is? You know what your elders are here for? They, you are sheep, but you have a shepherd. And they meet here, and I would love to see y'all do this. I'd love to see more people come up to their shepherds and say, we're struggling with different things. Help us make a choice in this. We're not sure. We're asking everybody else. Use God's people as a sounding board for your life. There's one other way, and this is fascinating. Listen, you know he heard this. Ahab heard this. He wants to go to battle, but he doesn't want to die. So do you know what he does? He goes to the third thing. And it's crazy. So here we end this crazy story as we start in verse 29. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth. They went ahead and fought this. And the king of Israel whispered to Jehoshaphat, they, I tell you what, I'm going to disguise myself. I'm going to and go into battle. You wear your robes and look like a king. I'm going to look like a regular soldier. I'm going to fool God. He won't recognize me. I'm going to put on the, the, the glasses with the weird thick eyebrows and, and God won't recognize me and he can't kill me. <laughs> Idiot. And here's what Jehoshaphat says. Sounds like a great idea. He was faithful but dumb as a sack of rocks. Yeah, sounds good to me. Do you know what it's going to mean for him? Everybody's going to be aiming for him. 
ding-a-ling do you not know he's a wimp ahab's a wimp and he's going to disguise himself and he's going to fool god and he's going to be crafty and sneaky and sneak through god's plan because god won't recognize him he doesn't know god the king of israel disguised himself he went into battle now the king of syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots do not fight with anyone small or great, only with the king of Israel. I do not care. I don't want to kill people. I'm not after their people. All I want is Ahab. I want him dead. So don't waste your time with anybody else. And when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, that's Ahab. And they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat, like a weasel, said, it's me, it's me, it's not Ahab. And so all of a sudden they said, okay, leave him alone. That's not really what he said but it's a lot like that. They saw it was not the king of Israel. They turned back from pursuing him. Oh, so he's going to get away with this sneak, sneaky little trick. No, God is pretty crafty too. A certain random archer takes his random bow and arrow. He notches a random arrow. He just indiscriminately pulls it back and fires it. And that random arrow landed in the chariot of Ahab right between the chinks of armor, and he bled to death watching the battle. Dummy. You can keep God away from you and keep God's people away from you, and God won't mess with your life until the end. You can, you can have some access to God's word and some access to God's people, but keep them at arm's length to where it doesn't mess with your life and you can do what you want. That's another way you can do it. And here's another way. You can try to fool God by being crafty and creative and evasive, thinking that you can play games and use your human wisdom to just kind of sneaky get by God. But I can tell you this. He can see through your disguises. He can see through your weird kind of devices that you're using. He can see through all the little plans that you do to sneak up on him by surprise or sneak by him without him noticing you. You are not getting away with anything with God. Crazy. He's trying to get away from God, and God got him right where he wanted him, and that that prophecy, you remember? His blood was going to be licked up by dogs. He sits in that chariot during the war, and he slowly dies. When the people hear that he's died, the entire army just goes back home. They didn't believe in this war anyway, so they went on back home. And, and the Syrians didn't chase him. They didn't care. They just, just let him go. And they take him back to the capital city, and they wash out the chariot, and the blood goes on the ground, and the dogs lick it up. God got Ahab. He was never out of his sight. He didn't get away. No matter how creative and crafty he thought he was. Paul warns us about thinking about this in the New Testament. You think we aren't told this? There's these things like, don't test God. We're told, don't test him. You know those teachers that have eyes on the back of their head and it seems like you can't get away with anything? God's even greater than that. Don't chest him. Don't be deceived. Don't trick yourself into thinking you're getting away with anything, that you, you're, you're getting by with something and God doesn't see you. Don't, don't deceive yourself. 
I think people do this all the time. They, they lie to themselves. They trick themselves into thinking God doesn't notice this. And then here's another one. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. Whatever you do, justice is going to find you. That's our father. So the lesson from Ahab, and he dies here. This is the end of Ahab. You can run, and you can run fast, and you can run far, and you can come up with the most amazing, ingenious ways to think you're uh, getting away from God and sneaking up on him and getting by him. But in the end, you're going to find out that he was there all along. And you'll answer for it. So make it easy on yourself. Tap into that amazing creativity and craftiness of yours and use it for good. Serve God voluntarily and receive the benefits from it. Put God's word close to you. Access it. He put it between covers and he put it in your house. You've got copies of it. Here's the funny thing about us. The extent to which you will access the word of God is also the extent to which you'll welcome his word and his say in your life. And if you have trouble ever really accessing the word of God, it's because you don't really want to know what he thinks about your life. He made it accessible, the most amazing grace of God. Even, even the cross is great, but listen, he, he gave you complete access to his will. And it's crazy that we would ever like ignore it or hold it at a distance or, that, or even worse, we access what it is and then we think we're going to get away with ignoring it. It's crazy. We have access to the word of God and we have access to the people of God who are also trying to follow the word of God. We have such resources for knowing what God wants us to do in our lives. Please, take advantage. Don't try to get away from God. Serve him and receive the most amazing benefits for doing so. Don't be Ahab. Be Jehoshaphat. If there's any response you need to make tonight, make it known now as we stand, as we sing to encourage.